What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> Let's get it going, Leah. All right. First, I got a question for you. Yeah. Did you notice anything when you walked in the front door? Um, the kayaks. The kayaks. That's not what I was talking about. I was getting at the cooler. Did you notice the white igloo cooler? No. So right outside the front door of the office, there's a white igloo cooler, right? And I want to start off there and give a little piece of advice to people not to leave dead fish in your car. <laughs> okay, because I, I, when I walked out to my car this morning and opened that door, I was hit by the stiff smell of rotten moon eye. Mm -hmm. And I, what I'd done is I'd gone down to the river and a moon eye were hitting really well. So I caught a whole mess of them, just put them in my cooler in my truck to use them for catfish bait later. Took them all out, put them in the freezer, got them froze, and there was one that was left behind. And, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what the temperature was yesterday afternoon and overnight. but Warm. I, Whatever it was, it was too much because that cooler, I mean, literally the, the cooler should contain air, you would think, but yeah. no, it all escaped. And it was, the drive into work this morning was really rough. Uh, one hour commute, <laughs> sitting in basically a dumpster is what it smelled like. But, now, first piece of advice, we'll just go ahead and get that out of the way. Uh, double check your bait tank to make mm -hmm. sure you got all the fish out of it before you... When I was in high school, I went catfishing on a Friday night yeah. with a pay lake. Oh, is it worms? Because the night crawlers no, are the worst. No, I put chicken livers oh, and I, in the trunk. It was in... Uh, a trunk? Yeah, and it was hot. <laughs> it was a 1973 uh, Grand Torino. It was great. 72 Grand Torino. <laughs> uh, it was a great, great car. So I forget about it for a couple of weeks, and I kind of smelled something funny, but it was in the trunk, and I thought, well, somebody spilled something. Well, yeah. I opened the trunk, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It took me forever to get that. Oh, gosh. Now, chicken, oh, I said night crawlers are the worst, but chicken livers might be the worst. Yeah, that, I mean, nice. Moon eyes are close, close second or third, yeah. somewhere in there. Um, let's do our intros. I'm Chase Winninger, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan, co-host. I hope everyone is doing well. And, you know, people have been asking when the next podcast was. So we're, Well, it's now. We're going we're gonna to do this again, Lee. We're going to apologize mm -hmm. because covid just yeah. making things tough and that's it's me and you again because scheduling a guest is tuff you know people are working remotely working from home more it's just it's just tough but i do have a list of uh, things here to hit on mm -hmm. and a couple of things that i think are pretty good opportunities for people to get out and try and a, a little bit of info too that's pretty interesting i actually made a phone call um just about 15 minutes ago called the fishing manager of a outdoor store here in kentucky because you know one thing i notice when i'm going in the stores is everything's cleaned. Yeah. You know, you can't find specific baits, you can't find tackle. Bellas and Lexington is really picked over. So I, I called a, uh, a fishing manager of a store, I'm not gonna say which store it is, um, we'll just say broad scope, that what he told me applies to every store. Because, you know, the customers are the same, you know, in general, fish, fishermen, fisherwomen, people who are fishing are gonna be, you know, pretty much the same everywhere. Demand and supply, these stores get their supplies from the same areas, so. Things are pretty consistent as far as the problems go for these stores, but I did call and get some insight from him, so I wanted to share that as well as some opportunities. Um, there's some cool stuff coming up on the TV show. Mm -hmm. I just watched two sec two segments a few minutes ago, and I kind of wanted to hit on those a little bit. Um, just kind of preview them. Obviously, the segment's going to have a lot more information, mm -hmm. and there's going to be these beautiful videos and things. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's going to be a little bit more interactive than the podcast. But I did want our listeners to be able to get the info too, so I was wanting to hit on that. And then the last thing on my little sheet here is Salado is uh, reopening fully next week. Mm. But there are a few. Um, you know, you click on the website. I'm actually on it right here. You click on the website. There's a few things in bold print. 
Yeah. And I want to hit on those things because those are things that people are going to need to know. Yeah. So let's see. Where should we start? Well, I was at Salado. Do you um, want to start with Salado? Yeah. Okay. I was at Salado. One of my best friends came in from Arkansas, spent a week. Yeah. Um, and he brought his uh, three grandchildren. This was last week, right? Yeah. last uh, Actually, last Friday. Uh-huh. And we went around Salado, but the exhibits were closed off. Uh-huh. Um, some of the ones where there's a lot of ability to touch mm-hmm. were closed. Yeah, like the but, ones where you can stick your hand in the box and yes, feel an item. Yes, that and uh, like the uh, quail, the quail one. The walkthrough where you got the signs you flip up. You and flip read up and yeah. learn about the uh, quail habitat and the bluegrass region and such. Um, but we still had a great time. Oh yeah, well Salado, I mean, and it I, was. Very crowded. I just go back there and go for walks, or I used to, um, occasionally. And I mean, I wouldn't, you know, just walking around, seeing seeing the sights is is pretty good. But next week they do open fully, so the exhibits will be open good. again. <clears throat> I'm going to read this. I don't want to get it wrong. The entire center is open to the public. All admission sales are online only, so you don't you don't just walk up to the counter and and, and buy a ticket anymore. Mm-hmm. You have to do it online, and you have to reserve a two hour block. So you'll have a two-hour space with your admission that you're going to get online for you to come visit the center. And that's just obviously going to let them control how many people are in at a time and, and you know, be pretty organized about it. And then the last thing here, hours are 9 a.m. to 3.30 p.m., which is shorter than they were pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And it says here that's to allow for additional cleaning and sanitation. So, you know, that gives them an extra hour and a half of each day to... Uh, clean the building, clean the clean the exhibits, and, and just be safe for COVID. So I did want to hit uh, that. I didn't know if we were going to do it at the beginning or the end, but it's out there. So. All right. And you can check out fw.ky.gov. Oh, I need to turn my volume down on my computer. Mm-hmm. KY or fw.ky.gov and then just search Salado or go to the education tab and Tabbing, all this inf- on, yeah. yeah, all this information's there. And then that's also where you reserve tickets right there. Little green button, reserve tickets. So if somebody wants to go visit Salado or take the... Uh, kids or family or friends to visit Slato, that's how you do it. Let's, uh, I kind of want to talk about my conversation with the fishing manager a little bit. And I'm sure you've noticed this, Lee. I'm sure a lot of people who listen to the podcast have noticed this. When you go in a store and you go to the fishing section right now, empty pegs, empty shelves, right? Mm -hmm. So let me flip here. I asked him, uh, you know, as far as that a demand issue, a supply issue, what are you seeing? And he basically told me that you know, it's a combination of both. Demand is way up as people are having more free time. You know, people didn't go to school as much in the spring months. People aren't at work every day like they were before. A lot of people, unfortunately, are out of work. So mm-hmm. there's a lot more free time for people to fish. And we've seen fishing license sales are up here too, right? So participation is way up. So there's more people going out and buying the gear. And then on top of that, a lot of the factories, he told me, the supplies, the other part of that. A lot of factories got shut down and had to stop producing baits. And a lot of tackle and a lot of gear that we use for fishing actually comes from China mm-hmm. or Japan or overseas in general. You know, bass fishing's huge in Japan. Oh, I know. And that's where most of your, you know, a good amount of your plastic products are made anyway. So, and those those items that are being made. carbon line, yeah, a lot of that's I mean, made in Japan. think about soft plastics. Um, a lot of those items that are coming from Japan or China are being stuck in quarantine for weeks or even months before they get released to go to the stores. So stores are short on supplies from that end because of COVID. And then demand is way up because there's more people out there doing doing it because of COVID also. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him what his best advice was to somebody who was looking for something in particular. 
He said, call in advance. He said, don't rely on the online inventory system. If you get online and it says they've got three of these items in stock, you know, that may or may not be accurate. But if you call in advance, you know, somebody will actually go, and this applies to most stores. I'd say Cabela's, Sportsman's, uh, Academy, Bass Pro, you know, you name it. Most stores would probably be willing to do this for you. Somebody will go check the shelf, and if they have it, they'll hold it for up to 24 hours for you in most cases. So if you're like me and you've got that one bait you need, yeah. Maybe you spend five minutes calling, you know, your local stores and see if somebody has it before you start making the rounds and wasting gas money. No doubt. And um, anyway, I just wanted to hit that off the bat. I think a lot of people have probably been wondering what the heck's going on mm -hmm. with, their, with their favorite fishing lures and their well, I believe supplies. kayaks are suffering through the same. I've, right. I had a guy uh, email who I think listens to the show and reads the magazine. Yeah. And he said an outfitter said he could uh, use, with COVID, he, he could use another hundred kayaks. Yeah. for rentals but he can't get them well the that's he actually specifically mentioned kayaks the fishing manager did he said you know those sun dolphin boats or mm -hmm. the pelican boats the cheaper yeah. kayaks yeah. he said those come in the door and they turn around and they go right back out the door he said as quick as they can get them in they're selling them and i'm just driving down the interstate I'm, i think i'm seeing more vehicles with kayaks on top and oh yes i go to floyd's fork park you know to walk the dog it's pretty close to me or i'll, I'll Wade fish it, and it's just boat after boat after boat. Mm -hmm. I think the same is probably true for Elkhorn and Drake's oh, yeah, Creek. It and is. Pretty much anywhere the water's good. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to hit on that, answer, hopefully answer some people's questions about fishing gear. Um, demand is way up, supply is way down, and that creates, mm -hmm. you know, a gap in what's available. And then, you know, your best bet's just to call, call in advance and see if they got it, maybe get them to put it on hold for you. Yeah. That's, I mean, if you're like me, because there's certain baits that I'm, you know, when I go in a fishing store, I'm, you know, I look through those shelves and see if they've got it. And a lot of times right now, they just don't got it. Mm -hmm. Let's hit on some opportunities, Lee. All right. Let's see. I have on my sheet here, night fishing, cat fishing, crappie, and try something new. What do you got? Anything that overlaps? Um, no. No? <laughs> um, been hearing good reports about stripers, though. So. Well, well, I will say this. Catfishing. You, I just saw this big article you wrote on catfishing online. Let's talk about that one because I think that that's something I'm interested in, something I want to get out there and try, something I'm not an expert on. Mm -hmm. So I have questions there myself. Uh, did you see the video of Kristen catching that big blue the other day? Yes, yeah. I think. Pretty, I mean, it was a good one. Dave, David mentioned using the picture for the magazine or something. I'm yeah. not sure. Calendar. I'm mm -hmm. not, I don't know. But um, when we were out there, we were hybrid fishing and not having any luck, hybrid bite stuff, but there were moon eye everywhere. So we just started catching moon eye and then we would rig those up and use them for catfish bait in the river. And I mean, it was every drop, just getting a bite, you know, losing your bait, getting a bite, getting broke off, catching a fish, something was happening, almost every drop in the right spot. So is right now a good time for catfish, in your opinion? Yes. Seems like it to me. I'd say they're coming off the spawn. What well, do you think? Spawning marks on the bellies. Mm. So you can see, uh, you know, when I'm talking about that, a lot of times your catfish will have these red kind of bare spots on yep. their bellies, almost looks like they're bloodied. And that's just where they've been sitting on the bottom or sitting in a hole or sitting somewhere like that. And they've kind of beat themselves up a little bit, but those are spawning marks. And I have seen a lot of those on the catfish we've been catching. So I'd say probably post-spawn and yeah. looking to feed, if I had to guess. That's what, that's what I'd say. And, you know, I'm talking about the river right here, but I'm Assuming that catfishing is probably good across the board right now, because mm -hmm. if they've all got done spawning, then they all got to be hungry. Yeah, right? no doubt. But in the river, it seems like the ticket 
is deep pockets directly downstream of riffles. So if you find where the water's coming through pretty quick and pretty heavy, and then it just drops off into a deep hole, that the very front end of that deep hole is where the fish are gonna be. Mm-hmm. And they're basically just sitting there in that calmer water and that deeper, cooler water, just you know soaking up the oxygen because it's coming through that riffle mm-hmm. and then waiting for dead fish or bait or anything just to come swimming by. So that's my piece of advice for people on maybe getting out there and catching a really big fish mm-hmm. is to try catfishing because it should be hot. Um, you know, you and I did that catfish uh, oh, yeah. photo shoot. Yeah, that was this time of year, wasn't it? On, on Elkhorn, yes. Yeah. It was um, undercut banks on a stream like Elkhorn, medium-sized stream yeah. with dip bait, something that'll emit a plume of stink yeah. that'll let's, draw them from out from under the undercover bank. Bam! Let's get into more detail on that because that is interesting and streams are everywhere. you mm-hmm. got a lot more access to creeks than you do. And I don't think the catfishing pressure on streams is... No, Very high everybody on. goes smallmouth fishing on streams, exactly. or trout or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, when you say undercut banks, I'm thinking, you know, a lot of people know what that is. Not everybody will. That's a place where it's... You're looking for a Medium bend. depth, yeah. And sometimes it's in a shoal, a lot of times it's in a bend, yeah. where the over the over there's trees that are anch- anchoring that bank, but under the root wads and stuff, there's a yeah. a cavern underneath it that... Um, yeah. What's the forces ba- of erosion have blasted through there. Yeah, basically what's happened is these trees have grown on the bank, and then because of how the water flows in the creek, and I'm thinking about a specific bend of Elkhorn right now, mm-hmm. the water pushes into that bank, and mm-hmm. then, you know, it's usually in a bend as far as I'm concerned because mm-hmm. that water's pushing into that outside bank, and the water just eats away the soil, eats away the dirt, but those trees stay rooted. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, you get these almost like caves that yep. go up into the uh, into the shore there, into the ground, and that's where these catfish go and spawn. Yeah, and, and then they hang there too. That's a great yeah. ambush spot. So when you're talking about using the stink bait, what we used last year was a dip bait. Yeah, that's and what I'm talking about. We dipped it onto a sponge Yep. and then just tossed it out there. And that dip bait creates a, a plume of you know, really stinky water mm-hmm. going right. And they like, oh boy. Yeah. And they follow the source of the, right to and the then hook. eat it. Right to the hook. <laughs> and you catch a lot doing that. You can catch more than just catfish in the creeks. If I'm well, you mistaken, caught a smallmouth on that. You were using eye crawlers. Remember? I caught a smallmouth and I caught a map turtle last year. Not That's right. Tur- map turtle was not exactly the ideal or targeted species, but you can catch a lot doing that is kind of what I was getting at. Try catfishing. I wonder if we should talk about rigs at all. Do you have a good a, a go-to well, catfish I mean, rig? For, for that, I just For the creek? Use, are you talking about the creek? Yeah. For, for that style, it's just a, a Carolina rig, which is, a, you know... You don't need a ton of weight in the creek, uh, but you don't want it to be just ripping downstream either. Um, maybe three eighths ounce yeah. egg sinker to a to a glass bead, yeah. and then to a barrel swivel, and then you tie a, a leader, leader. Yeah. off the end floor I, like fluorocarbon, and then use a circle hook and then impale the sponge on the circle hook. Yeah, that's very similar to the rig I use in the river. Mm-hmm. See, in the creek, you got a lot less uh, a lot less current. I mean, it's a lot less pushy. But in the river, what I like to do is a three-way swivel. Mm-hmm. So I'll have my uh, main line to the three-way swivel. Yep. Off the three-way swivel, I'll have my leader to my circle hook, usually two or three foot of leader. And then off the third leg of that barrel swivel, or the uh, three-way swivel, I'll have another line that drops down to my sinker, mm-hmm. usually about 18 inches or so long. And I just kind of vary my sinker weight depending on the current. And the one thing I will say 
is to use lighter line on your sinker. Yeah, so that way if you get hung, you can yeah. break it off and you'll save the rest of the rig, like correct? If I, if I, exactly. If I'm catfishing, a lot of times I'm using a 50-pound braid main line to my swivel, and then I continue using 50-pound braid to my hook, so I have through strength there all the way through. But then when I drop down to my sinker, I'm using 25-pound. That way if I get snagged up, I'm more than likely only using losing my sinker. Mm -hmm. And my, my hook stays attached. I still have my bait. All I got to do is retie another sinker. Yeah. And it's not too bad. No. Um, let's see. You were just talking to Tim about night fishing before you walked through this door. Mm -hmm. Another great summertime activity, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the bass obviously spawned out way earlier. Yes. But it's hot out right now. I don't know about you. We thought about doing this podcast outside of the picnic table, right? It's hot. It's very hot. And I, I was it's very humid too. I mean, just sweating, mm -hmm. sweating earlier. Walking over here, I broke a sweat. Well, it's good for you to walk and to sweat. So I'm mm -hmm. not complaining about it. I'm just saying, sitting on a bass boat for eight hours in the beaten sun, I mean, you can do some damage to your body. No doubt. That and way. you'll probably only catch buck bass. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they don't like it either when it's that hot. No. So. I mean, a lake like Kentucky Lake that has current yeah. or Barkley, you can catch them all day in the summer. Yeah. But a lake like, say, Cumberland, yeah. which is a lower fertility lake, clear water. Uh -huh. This time of year, bass fishing during the day is um, a fool's errand. Yeah. Don't it's, you think? It's tough. I mean, unless you just want to get out on the water and you don't mm -hmm. really care about you the fish. You catch stripers early in the morning, but it's usually done yeah. 10, 30, 11 o'clock. It's yeah. done. Speaking of stripers, tearing them up lately. Mm -hmm. My fa I, One thing I love about Facebook, for me, you know, they have the algorithms, right? And for some reason, through everything that's been going on in the world, COVID and protests, everything, Facebook has decided to show me fishing pictures. Yes. So and I kind of like it because yeah. I, everybody talks about all they see is this, all they see is that. Well, I like every picture of a fish I see on Facebook, mm -hmm. and I think because I do that, it just keeps sending more my way. So I'm going to enjoy that. But a lot of the uh, fish I've been seeing are monster stripers out of Cumberland. And several of those have come off our buddy uh, Jeff Bartholf. Jeff, yeah, I saw his daughter got 34 inches the other day. I saw a couple 40s come out too, I think. So he's been smacking Now, I've got them. a good friend who has struggled all spring, um, and it's been... If you, if you fish the upper half of the lake, it's been a much tougher bite than if you're down by the dam. In, beaver, Indian, yeah. creeks, and such. And he was like, Lee, I can't catch him. I can't catch him. What's going on? So I'd ask around, and I'd tell him, and he'd do it, and he'd call me back. I can't catch him. This last weekend, he started getting into some good ones. Really? So I might have to make a trip down there, man. I'm, I mean, I'm itching for some big fish. Mm -hmm. That's why I've been going after the, the hybrids and the cats. I'm get there toward the end of the month. Yeah. We're going to take my two nephews, who actually, when they saw how big stripers were, because they're like, I've only caught medium-sized fish. I've never caught a big fish. Yeah. I was like, well, what a better time to do it. They yeah. were a little bit afraid to go. I was like, I'm going. You're going to reel no, in. That's no, all there is to it. How are you going to be afraid to go? I mean, it, I literally, striper fishing on Cumberland at sunrise is one of the prettiest things you can do. Oh, it's awesome. It's Nothing um, like rolling down the lake at, like, 5:30. Watch the sun come up yeah. and the fog and yeah. You know, I was thinking about have it yesterday. Playing your boards out and watching one go. What day was it? A couple days ago, I was I got up to go fishing in the morning, right? And I'm talking 5 a.m. wake up call and you know I'm on the road and I'm driving. It's still dark out. And I've got. My I love coffee. that time of day. Oh, it's exciting. And then I think to myself, you know, 
sometimes it's hard to get up, but when you're going fishing, man, it's just, I'm a, it's worth it. Talk to, yeah. You shoot, when you're on a fishing trip with your buddies, you can get three hours sleep, you'll shoot up full of energy. You know? yeah. If you did that during the work week, you'd be like, oh God, I gotta have an old pot of coffee this morning. <laughs> yeah. But for a fishing yeah. trip, I don't know why, but yeah. doesn't work that way. You yeah. just, you pop out of bed ready to kick yeah. the world's it's butt. Like the, it takes me back to the first days of, uh, first day of deer season back when I was a kid, man. Mm -hmm. I'm leading up to it for two weeks. I'd be every night just laying in bed thinking about a deer walking by. There's and, nothing like being up driving to a fishing yeah. destination in the pre-dawn. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, and it's not just, just fishing, but hunting too. Mm -hmm. Anything you you enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I'd probably get up at dawn to drive to a... Or the waterfowl hunt yeah. in, in December. You're getting up and it's cold and you can see your breath and you're sitting out there in your blind on a, near a farm pond and watching the world wake up. It's great. Um, a second ago, we were talking about how bass had already spawned out, catfish are spawning, you know, uh, probably just got done spawning. Different fish spawn at different times, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that I wanted to talk about related to a second ago when I said that I just watched some a segment in there and I thought it was really interesting. I wanted to pass the info on, right? So down at Kentucky Lake, they have put 500 artificial beds in the lake. Do you know anything about this? Yes. I talked to Adam Martin about it the other day. Well, Adam Martin is who is on the, uh, he's a Western District Fisheries. And he, uh, you know, he kind of led this segment, you know, gave all the information. And they have seen really good success with those. Do you get the same numbers? 96%? Yeah. yeah. He, he told me, I, I need to, I'm going to do a story on it. So. Well, they've got 500 of these beds out there. And he said their survey showed that 96% of the beds were being used by panfish. So, uh, red ear, bluegill, sunfish, long ear, green, you know, pumpkin seed. 96% of the 500 beds were being used by those species. And 60% of black bass species, so Kentucky bass, largemouth bass, mm -hmm. smallmouth bass, 60% of the beds were being used by those species as well. And the way it works, the way that, you know, 60% of the beds can be used by bass, 96 can be used by sun, sunfish and bluegill, et cetera, mm -hmm. is because they spawn at different times. So those bass get in there first and they use the beds and they spawn and when they're mm -hmm. done, then the red ear and the sunfish mm -hmm. move in and they use the beds. So they're getting a lot of really good use out of these uh, good. artificial bluegill beds or artificial fish beds, not mm -hmm. just bluegill. I thought that was really cool. And I, something worth sharing, you know? No doubt. 500 of these beds went around the lake and they seem to I be- I mean, what was the percentage? 96? 96 on panfish species. 60% used by bass? Black bass species, 60% of the beds were in use. And there's some really good GoPro footage. Um, Adam's been snorkeling the beds to mm -hmm. check for them. That's how he got those numbers, you know? I'm sure they didn't snorkel all 500 beds, but they snorkeled a, a good enough number of them to be able to come up with those percentages, you know? Maybe they snorkeled 100 or 200, I'm not sure. But um, I thought those were pretty, I mean, that's a lot of good use that we're getting out of those beds. And yeah, hopefully here in a few years, you know, you'll see this fry class kind of, you know, start to grow. Mm -hmm. And in a few years when these fry that are being born via these artificial beds uh, mature, we should start to see increased catch rates and increase, no you know, it should, it should be good for us. So that's something I'm pretty excited about. That's going to be on Kentucky Field coming up here in just a few weeks. Um, this is a holiday weekend coming up, so not this weekend, but I think the next, it's either the 11th or the 18th. And you're going to write an article on it too. Yeah. So this info should be getting out there, but the podcast got it first. So you're welcome guys. All right. Um, yeah, I talked to him about it last week. You know what, Elsley? I'm sorry. I'm jumping around. I'm skipping a little so bit. What? There's something I did have. Very first note I wrote down today. 
and I didn't hit on it. Um, we did talk about more people are fishing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, along with that is something that ticks me off, and that's more trash. Yes. And I, I tell you what, the other day I was fishing somewhere, and this guy was over there fishing down the bank from me, and he just was tossing his, his he had like Coke bottle, like two Coke bottles or something like that, and he just tossed them behind him and, and walked off. And that just ticks me off so bad. I don't get it. You know, it's... If you can carry the Coke bottle down there with you full of Coke, surely you can carry the Coke bottle back with you when it's empty. It just... It's pure laziness. I was floating South Elkhorn, and a friend of mine, we pulled over just below Moore's Mill. This was last summer. Yeah. And we were going to have our lunch, and we looked over, and you could tell what everything the family ate from Dairy Queen. Yeah. Because there was two blizzards, hamburger wrappers. I was like, you carried it down the hill. Yeah. When it was heavy, but you're too sorry to carry it back up the hill when it's light. I was just infuriated. I'm not sure that there's much that ticks me off more. Well, me too. I mean, because you're going to go down there and you're going to trash the place up. So when the river gets up, that's going to end up in somebody's backyard or somebody. Or just, I mean, have you seen the video that's going around right now of the black bear? Yes. With uh, it has like I saw that on the Weather Channel yesterday and this morning. Had the like a cheese puffs. That might have been cheese puffs, yeah. yeah. So people haven't seen it. There's a video out there of these guys on a boat on a big lake somewhere, and there's a black bear swimming across a lake, and he's got a whole cheese puff, cheese puff container over his head. Like, I mean, I'm surprised the bear was even alive because mm-hmm. there was water in it while he's swimming. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, that'd, I mean, that'd just be the easiest way in the world for, for that bear to drown when that yeah, cheese no puff doubt. container fills up with water while right. he's swimming. But these guys end up... Uh, Took them all several times well they end up getting up there next to the bear in their boat and reaching down and pulling the cheese puff container off its head and he you know he kind of shakes his head off and he looks around he almost looks thankful <laughs> yeah know? no he's like yeah i would be. I, I, I don't like being around you but i appreciate that yeah so, <laughs> but i'm going to swim away but it uh i was I mean, happy that's that's i mean that's just somebody's trash that they left laying around them are wrong oh. so i mean it just oh, t- i'm sure you know and and if it smells like you know they love doritos cheetos peanut butter yeah. those smells drive bears crazy so if someone left that there with cheese dust in it yeah. i'm sure that oh, you know exactly how that happened that yeah. bear just stuck his head like, mm, boom, boom, boom. oh god yeah. can't get it off yeah so that that's one thing i wanted to talk about i was and, at central wma one day years yeah. ago yeah, yeah. bass fishing and this family came and i was catching nice fish and they brought two liters they brought all junk food and they you know they were, they were crunching and they had snoopy poles they were not really serious about the fishing and every time they would eat something they'd throw it down and they brought their poles and they brought back the worms and left the rest of the trash there yeah, i mean ridiculous. i mean a six foot circle of trash that's just ridiculous and, and like I, I said i went back and got a bag out of my car and went back and picked it up god bless you lee well i just it and on i've had people call me from wisconsin stuff saying we floated elkhorn and it was really pretty but what's up with all the trash tell them there's lazy people everywhere yeah no, and it just ticks me off. You know, it's you got, embarrassing. You got these people who do. I mean, you know what? I will say this. I think the people who are listening to the podcast, mm-hmm. reading the magazine, watching the TV show, are probably invested enough in the outdoors to not be those people. Mm-hmm. You know, they respect it enough. They're into it. They they love the outdoors. And when you love the outdoors, you respect something like the outdoors, like I do, like you do. Mm-hmm. You don't trash it. No. And so it's people. I don't see how anybody who has a genuine interest in the outdoors could leave their their trash just laying around. And I don't know, it, it ticks me awfully. And actually, you know what? On the same 
point, okay, so the people who listen to the podcast, read the magazine, et cetera, I don't think are probably the guilty parties, right? Yeah. But got to hold some people accountable, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I, I didn't walk over there the other day and say something to that guy, but I wish I would have told him, just take your trash with you. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, maybe call them out just a little bit, maybe make them think about it. And Well, the, sometimes the best way to shame them is go over and pick the trash up that they left right yeah. in front of them and leave. Yeah, well, <laughs> I just, Throw it away. I don't, you know, and if somebody's that lazy, it's probably going to be pretty hard to get them to change their ways, mm-hmm. you know, because... I mean, it just speaks to what kind of person it is. Well, that that area, the the takeout there, the, the lower takeout now that's public, God, I, we we took out there the other day, and there's trash everywhere. Yeah. Well, luckily there's people that clean it up. I mean, yeah. uh, most of the time I go fishing somewhere, I go kayaking somewhere, I, I don't notice trash. It's not bad, and but occasionally you will see it, mm-hmm. and it's when you see it all in one spot where you just know somebody was fishing there and they got up and walked away and left it all. That's just, just irritates me to no end. And you got these people who go out and do, um, you know, river cleanups and creek cleanups, and they, you know, get a group of people, maybe ten or fifteen together, and they get a couple garbage bags and they go out and they load their kayaks up with everything they can get, you know. And God bless those people too. Mm-hmm. But it sure would be nice. I if, need to bring a bag. I was really good about it, and I've slacked. And then yeah. I put a bag in my kayak the other day, a trash bag. Yeah. I'd bring, you know, a couple of Kroger bags and try to fill them up before I left. Yeah, well, that's that's good. I mean, that's pretty much what I, I mean. It just, sometimes it seems an ex- exercise in futility, but it makes you feel good. It'd be nice if, if that didn't have to happen and people just weren't that lazy. Uh-huh. And I, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I'm guilty of cutting the tag end off my line and, and dropping it occasionally. I'm mm-hmm. out there wading in the creek or something like that. A lot of times I, you know, I've dropped mm-hmm. a couple inches of fishing line in the water and mm-hmm. I've flipped my kayak before and I've, I've lost, a, a, you know, a bag of baits. You know, yeah. I, like, I've accidentally put things out there before too and if you're out there enough it's just going to happen and it's unfortunate you know i have accidentally put trash out there but to do it on purpose and to just be lazy is a whole different well, my wife has gotten very angry at me because i take like say i had a some issues and i pulled 10 yards of line off and yeah i wind it up in yeah. a little ball and i stick it in my pocket and then never throw it away so when she's <laughs> she's doing my laundry i do most of my laundry but sometimes she's like you have anything to throw in and i'll throw it in she gets out in her fishing line all in the dryer. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't go over very well. I tell you what. I'm, but I'd rather be there than than a bird's gut. What I've been doing lately with my so if I have any substantial length of line left, right? Mm-hmm. Say I, you know, I have to, I get a knot in my line. It happens a lot of time with braid. I get a knot in my line. I'll have to cut off ten or fifteen feet of it, mm-hmm. right? I've been taking that, rolling it up like you're talking about, and putting it in my tackle box. And then when I break that sinker off my catfish rig, I pull that out. And that's what I use as my. Oh, that's so good. when I, when you're using leaders and you're using things like that, you can reuse it. Yeah. A lot of times, you only need two foot of line. Yeah. So holding on to that ten or fifteen foot and using that for six different anchor leaders, you know, well worth it. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And so that's that's you know we'll just call that a piece of advice. Wait, wait, Rick has a funny cartoon that w- was in the fishing guide for a long time about people throwing stuff down, and we talk about littering all the yeah. time. I've written column after column, respect public property, and yeah. all, and just. Love to take the people who do that and smack their heads together. Well, I tell you, know? you, I tell you what, I've got a uh, actually just a one, literally while we were on the topic of people trashing stuff up, I got a notification on my phone here from my trail camera. Um, I have a cell cam that sends the pictures to my phone immediately when it takes them, and I I'm running the camera right now on a piece of property where the landowners have had problems with somebody trashing the place up. They got a pond out there. It's a pond that I, I bass fish. And, uh, They're some, sneaking on it and leaving trash? Somebody's been sneaking out there and leaving beer cans and 
I mean, and I don't know who it is. A bunch of shotgunned Modellos is what I have to go on to, you know. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't know. Shotgunning the beers makes me think teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody younger. I, Modelo. How do you know? I forgot how to shotgun. You have you, to put a hole in it and then. Yeah, you put a hole in the. Yeah, that's what we're covering today. This yeah. is going in the title yeah. of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we're going to teach people how to shotgun. But uh, that's how you could tell they were shotgun. Yeah, they were shotgun. There was a hole in the bottom of the can. You know, yeah. it's where you poke a hole in the can and then you, then you chug, 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 chug. And um, so, like, I mean, 18 or 20 shotgun beer cans. Who can shotgun 20 beers? <laughs> I don't know. It must have been several people. Yeah. So I've got a trail camera up out there, and it just sent me a notification. So I'm trying to figure out who's trashing up these people's land. All I've gotten on it so far is uh, people respectively fishing, you know, and uh, coyotes. A lot of coyotes. Hmm. Well, that's good. I like saying, like, right here, it's a... Uh, they may be after the shotgun beers. <laughs> this is uh, the people who just popped up on my trail camera are a group of what looks like three teenage guys and a dog and a John Deere gator who are fishing. So all the, I'm sure they have permission to be there. All the power to them. You yeah. know what I mean? But I'm kind of keeping an eye out for somebody who's trashing up some private property right now, too. So it's just frustrating that people would do uh, That like smells that. strongly of teenage behavior. Yeah, you know, I started forming my theory on who this was. And shotgun beers make me think teenage mm-hmm. or younger. You know, obviously you can't drink till you're 21. Like. Yeah. And the Modelo, I was like, I don't know if that really says teenager to me. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking teenager. I'm thinking, you know, natty or something. Mm-hmm. But well, we've talked enough about yeah. <laughs> beer choices and <laughs> shotgun. Um, all right, let's move off the trash subject. Yeah. I'll just get ticked off. Pack your trash out, please. That's not much... Not very hard to do. Summertime, fishingly, something always comes to mind. It's night fishing mm-hmm. for me, and then the other one is fish structure and habitat. Because mm-hmm. last year we went on a shoot, um, a guy named Tom Perkins took us crappie fishing. and this, I remember that one. Yeah, I mean, this guy is just crappie king. I mean, not, he's not Ronnie Caps, but he's pretty dang good. Chad said he's the second best crappie fisherman he's ever been in the boat with. One being Ronnie Caps, and it's not bad being two to Ronnie Caps. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked about summertime, the heat of the summer being his favorite time to catch crappie. And that's kind of counterintuitive to what most people think. Yeah. They think, you know, early spring and late fall and the water's cooler. He said this time of year, the water is the most stable it's going to be as far as temperature goes. You know, once it gets up and it hits its peak, it, you can pretty much count on it being pretty much the same thing day after day unless you get a ton of rain. And he said those consistent temperatures make for some of the most productive crappie fishing there is because you if you find them one day chances are they're going to be there the next day and they're going to be there the next day mm-hmm. and uh that the structure is important because it provides shade for the fish so what this guy does is he actually likes to take the christmas trees <clears throat> the, like we use them for fish habitat and he sinks them from the top so he'll put a cinder block or something and tie it to the top of it so that it sinks with the the larger end up mm-hmm. you know and that way it casts a more sh- yeah, more shade it casts a bigger shadow so that's, that's a good little bit of advice that I thought was pretty mm-hmm. interesting. And he also said he likes to hang them vertically like that instead of just letting them lay on the bottom because the uh, fish have more room to move up and down. Mm-hmm. So as the barometer changes or you know air pressure changes, water, temp- water pressure also changes, they have more room to go up and down in the water column on that same piece of structure. So just a piece of advice for people out there, you know, crappie fishing might be pretty productive. You know, you shouldn't be afraid to try it just because it's pretty hot out. And if you find a spot where the fish are, chances are they're still going to be there tomorrow and they're still going to be there the next mm-hmm. day. And more fish will move in and out. And, you know, just a general idea, we were fishing in about 15 foot of water in the summer. 
and typically we were fishing between 8 and 12 foot deep, somewhere around the 10 foot range in a round structure. And you can, I believe... So a lot of lakes, that'd be just above the thermocline, wouldn't it? I would say so. It depends on the lake. That's probably another good thing to look at would be the thermocline. I was talking to a guy yesterday. I was in Bass Pro or a Cava somewhere. I was you know, shopping for tackle, and uh, this guy was getting ready to go hit Guest Creek, and he was talking about where the thermocline was sitting and that he was seeing fish literally belly on the thermocline on his graph. That's how mm -hmm. they were. He was looking at hybrids and saga, and he said they were all just sitting, you know, basically on the thermocline. And uh, I guess this time of year, it's probably getting to find enough where you can see the thermocline oh, yeah. on your fish finder. You can. Yeah. And if you go to, um, like, the Louisville District of the Army Corps of Engineers, they do have some temp profiles yeah. that show when you see it, um, like, severely move colder. Yeah. Right where that... Um, transition happens is the thermocline. Well, think about it this way. You know, we've talked about thermocline before, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. You know when you jump in a lake and mm -hmm. you your feet hit, you, they get cold? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a thermocline. Yeah, no doubt. You just hit the thermocline. Like you, almost, I'd say a good percentage of people have jumped in a lake and been like, ooh, the water's cold, mm -hmm. you know, down there. Well, that, that's thermocline you <clears> just yeah, hit. no doubt. So um, what it is is like basically. Like on Taylorsville, this time of year, it's 12 feet. Yeah, and Guest Creek, I think, is 12 foot, too. But you can check the Army Corps of Engineers website, and it'll give you a general idea. Or, you know, you might just be able to ask the guys at the tackle shop. Or, or if you have good electronics, you can see it on yeah, that. Yeah, fire it up. But basically, the water below that thermocline doesn't really have enough oxygen to whole, support. Totally anything, yeah. Yeah, so the fish aren't going to be down there. So there's no point in fishing 20 feet deep when the thermocline's sitting at 14. Yeah. Because you aren't going to catch anything. Yeah. And um, that's probably as good a tip as any as far as how to avoid not catching fish. No know? doubt. Um, now, on a lake like Cumberland or low fertility lakes, that thermocline's really, really deep. Well, even on Cumberland, there's a layer in between. And there's, yeah, there's a double thermocline sometimes yeah. happens. That's strange, but that's really the only thing that the double thermocline really affects is probably the striper, striper guys. A lot of times in summer, they're in that bottom one that's 90 feet deep. Yeah, and the problem is that when you catch a, a fish from that bottom thermocline and then you pull it all the way up through the unoxygenated water in the middle and then you release you, it, He's got to, I mean, that's why people keep the stripers that they catch that are keeper size this time of year on Cumberlands because yeah. they're going to have, a, yeah, they're going to have a hard time getting back down there. So it's just better off to keep them and, and you know, that, that's how that works. But uh, yeah, I'm glad we hit on the thermocline. That wasn't even on my list here. Yeah, but I was just sitting there thinking about, well, you know, because we, we had a big thermocline one last year, didn't we? Yeah, I think it was when we were talking about. When it breaks up. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. At some point, we also talked about. Uh, Cumberland and the potential of a fish kill last year mm -hmm. that didn't end up happening. Yeah, we thought it would. Yeah. But that could because there was some uh, L-Wife and Shad that died. Yeah, yeah. Pretty significant they, they were pulling the lake pretty hard and we were worried they were pulling the oxygen out on the bottom layer of the mm -hmm. thermocline. But that, that didn't end up being serious. Didn't affect the striper or the walleye as far as I know. So no, I didn't hear anything. That's what people either. were. That's why we talked about it. Yep. Lee, I've only got one thing left on my list here. What All do you right. got? I've got first the, um, two things. This time of year is arguably the best time to stream fish. Yeah. It's the best time of the way to stream for sure because it's wonderful. Oh, it feels so good. And it's been such a weird spring. It's been cool. It's been high. It's been wet. Water levels have been weird. Everything's in its summer pattern now. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I floated Elkhorn on Monday. We did best day I've had this year. Yeah. Um, bigger fish. Um, they're where they're supposed to be now. Yeah. Um, also, um, 
the generation schedule is in its summer pattern for the Cumberland River below Wolf Creek Dam. So when I hear that trout fishing is picking up. Yeah. And actually I have three things. Um, we're still continuing to see drownings yeah. this year at a higher rate than normal. So just be safe you know, when we'll, you're out there. I'll change that. Well, I have two things left on my list because that's one of them. Yeah. Um, I'll go ahead and hit on try something new first was my other thing. Yeah. Uh, you just talked about stream fishing being really good right now. And it's, a, trust me, comfortable to be in a creek. Oh, it's wonderful. The one thing I will say, though, is that you want to make sure you take plenty of water. Yeah. I was out there fishing the other day, and this guy was um, fishing down for me, and he ended up getting um, sick from heat, uh, just exposure. And he ended up getting sick and throwing up. He was down the bank. I wasn't that close. But he told me, he said he just, you know, he started getting hot, and he didn't have any water, and he thought he'd be okay for a couple more hours, and he stayed three more hours out there. and. So uh, even if you're in the creek, you still got to drink some water. Oh, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Don't drink the creek water. Take some with you and mm -hmm. drink it. Um, but as far as creek fishing goes, try something new is what I had written down, and that's because I just picked up a new fly rod. And I used to fly fish quite a bit, mostly for stream smallmouth and pond bluegill and stuff like that. So I never, I, I'm, trust me, I'm no expert. I've gone down to Hatchery Creek and humbled myself many times with a fly well, rod. Well, I mean, I've humbled myself too, seeing 20 inches and they're looking up at you like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, whatever, son. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I, I didn't get to be 20 inches long in this little bee creek because I fell for your silly fly. Yeah, so. I, I get it. And this time of year, I mean, it's a great time to get out there and to try something new. Fishing can be tough for, for you know, certain species in certain places, so... Mm -hmm. I don't know if making it tougher on yourself makes sense, but going out there and trying to learn something new and catching, you know, we can catch one or two fish on a fly rod, you know, versus one or two fish on a conventional rod, which is mm -hmm. what you've been doing, then you might as well do it on a fly rod and mm -hmm. learn something new. So I'm looking forward to getting out there, getting the fly rod going again and trying to figure out how to do it. And hopefully I can work my way to the river with fly rod and start catching some hybrids or some stripers, which would be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Still not sure how I'm going to land one. Never landed a fish that fights that hard on a fly rod, so that'll be... Interesting, but that's next up on my to-do list as far as personal stuff is I got to figure out how to catch, you know, those big. I want to catch bigger ones on my stream smallmouth on my yeah. mojo bass. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Caught, I've caught, you know, mediums and quite a few smalls, but I have not caught a real drag screecher. Well, you can, you know, set goals for yourself or just try stuff. You don't really have to set goals because you can do whatever you want. But like for me, I look at the trophy fish and... Um, in the fishing guide, which is something that, you know, you actually oversee that program. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at the trophy fish numbers, maybe say, you know what, I'm going to go try to catch a trophy, you know, X species, yeah. you know, name whatever species you want. I'm looking at the fish right here. I've actually got the poster on my wall. Uh, brown trout. That'd mm -hmm. be a good one for me to go try. I think it's what, 22 inches? Oh, uh, it's 20. 20. 20 inches. So brown trout on Cumberland. There mm -hmm. you go. Go try to knock one of those bad boys out. And I think rainbow are 22. Yeah, I think it's 20 for both of those and the smallmouth. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, you can get on the fishing guide and look those up if that's your cup of tea. Otherwise, just, you know, decide you want to catch one on a fly rod or you want to learn how to jug fish or you want to, you know, it's a good time to learn something new. And there's only one way to do it, and that's to get on YouTube and watch Kentucky Field videos and, to, mm -hmm. and then actually it's get out there and try for yourself. Well, the summer issues can really come out. Um, well, I did a piece on fly rod or float tube fishing. Uh -huh. That's really, really nice in summertime, and it's affordable. You can get a good float tube for hundred fifty dollars. You can get a round tube for still. I paid my first float tube cost me eighty nine dollars for a round tube. A round tube now costs ninety nine dollars, yeah. and this was in the nineties when yeah. I bought my first one. But uh, 
small lake or a farm pond at the crack of dawn with a top water on a fly rod. Yeah, popper. In a in in a float tube, which is perfect for fly rod fishing. Yeah. It's a ball and it's comfortable. Yeah, I, I like the pond poppers. Yeah, for bluegill. Like, oh, it's fun. Lee, the very last thing I wanted to hit on, you actually reminded me of a second ago with the uh, boating safety. Yes. And, you know, we can we can say, wear your life jacket, you know, be, um, you know, don't do anything that's slightly dangerous on water you're not comfortable on. Mm-hmm. Watch out for overhead dams, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. But I saw people doing stuff the other day at the river um, that I thought was pretty unsafe. And they, they had taken their boat down there. I guess they just bought it or... They were trying to see if it worked. And they put their boat on the river to test it out. Right? And they were sitting there at the ramp trying to get the motor fired up. And, I mean, you could tell they were just down there trying to figure out if this boat would even run. And they were putting it on the river. That's not your best bet. No. And actually, last year, um, we had two deaths on the water because of that very thing. Where guys had put their boat in on the river and it stalled out on them. Yeah. Was that in the pontoon boat? I'm not sure. That was a couple of years ago. There was a whole bunch of them that went over the dam in the pontoon boat. I'm talking about the, these guys went through the gates on the McAlpin Upper. Hmm. I think it was last summer. And it was either last summer or the one before. But they, their boat had stalled out up above the dam, and they couldn't get it started again. And unfortunately, both those guys um, drowned in the process. So if you have something that you're not that comfortable with, whether it be a new boat or a boat that you're trying to fix or a new kayak that you've never been on the water with, Maybe you should start off on a pond or a lake. Mm-hmm. Small lake. Well, somewhere where current is not a factor. Yeah, because the current is, I mean, you know, people drown all the time in lakes and ponds and, and things like that. But current adds a whole new element to it. And there's just no reason to risk the current to when you're when you're unsure of your equipment. You know, up there at the falls where uh, I've been fishing quite a bit lately, you know, the rule of thumb for pretty much everybody who fishes out of a boat up there is don't turn your motor off. You know, hmm. you get up there, you, you leave your motor running all the time, unless you anchor up or tie up or something like that. If you're, uh, you know, just fishing out, of, I mean, there's no reason to turn the motor off because you need, you might need power in a second. Mm-hmm. Those sirens go off and they decide to open the gates up four feet on, on you all of a sudden. You need to be able to motor out of there real mm-hmm. quick. And the worst thing that could happen would be you getting stuck in a, with a motor that won't turn back on. I know. So just some general safety tips, but. And well, inexperience, we talked about this a little bit before, but. Yeah. With, with kayaks, especially if you haven't floated at all in a kayak, go to a pond and learn the basics yeah. before you get on Elkhorn with yeah. current. Yeah, Elkhorn. You know, or know, any any river. And check the water. Um, I was thinking Elkhorn isn't a horrible. If it's chocolate milk, muddy and high, don't, don't paddle. Yeah, and the, well, Elkhorn, I was thinking, you know, a lot of people buy a kayak and the first place to go with it's a stream. Yeah. And I still don't think that's a great idea, but people are just going to do it. Yeah. So I would say, you know, PFD for sure, and mm-hmm. check the flow, make sure that it's manageable. The, I mean, I could see a lot of people buying, you know, one of these cheap kayaks from, you know, name the place, going out to the creek with it. Hey, you can out, buy a kayak in a hardware store now. Well, yeah, Rural King or, yeah, almost anywhere. But getting out there, putting the kayak on the water in a creek, floating for 10 minutes and realizing their boat takes on water. Yeah. And guess what? Now you're downstream and you got to... Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to just pull the kayak back up the creek? Are you going to beach it and walk back to your car? Are you mm-hmm. going to finish the float with the leaky kayak? So mm-hmm. I would just test your equipment out on something that didn't have current to it. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And that is my safety tip of the week. Well, you know, and just don't bite off more than you can chew, mm-hmm. whether it comes to swimming or boating 
Yeah. Be, use some sense. This like weekend it, is 4th of July weekend coming up. Friday. That, that kid from Sunday. Danville drowned in Harrington Lake. And when was just, that? Oh, last week, wasn't it? Last Early week. last week. It took a while to find his body. Okay. I know we had two go down on Cumberland not long ago, too. Um, that's unfortunate. I mean, it's way up, but it relates back to what we talked to at the beginning with participation being up. Mm-hmm. More people are participating in outdoor activities, so coincidentally, there's more accidents. But part of that is also that the some of the people who are participating now that weren't participating in the past are, you know, pretty novice mm-hmm. in whatever it is they're doing. And there's a learning curve there, and yep. along with that learning curve is a safety curve. Yeah. And so you kind of got more high-risk individuals out there. So if you if somebody's an experienced boater, an experienced fisherman, a kayak or anything, maybe think about preaching safety to somebody. Mm-hmm. Maybe not preach it to them, but, you know, be willing to give some advice. Especially if, you know, you got a brother or cousin or a friend or somebody who's about to hit the water for the first time. Maybe just shoot them a text, say, hey, uh, make sure you take your PFD with you. Or, yeah. You know, something check like that. Check your plug, check this, check that. Yeah. Fire, fire your motor before you... Uh, yeah, let loose. You're out there with a group of people on the lake, and this weekend's Fourth of July. I'm just going to be honest about this. Mm-hmm. People are going to be partying. Yeah. All right. You think of Lake Cumberland, or you know, pretty much name the place. People are going to be partying. You're, you know, you're out there with a group of people, and that one guy just seems like he's had a little bit too many drinks. Maybe tell him not to jump in the water and go swimming. Yeah. You know, and just don't don't drive the boat. You know, yeah. just give people sound advice. It kind of relates back to calling people out for trashing up places you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not against that at all and i certainly think that there's no harm done in reminding people to to be safe or responsible about something and especially when you're somebody who has experience doing the same thing yeah no know? doubt well you got anything else i think i'm pretty much done for the day um nope i'm good well let's uh let's get this bad boy turned around and get it out there all right i will apologize again for there being more time than we would like between podcasts but we'll do better bear, we're, well i don't we're having a hard time finding guests because they're not here yeah. Well, I say we will do better. I'll be honest with you, Lee. A lot of this is a little bit out of our hands mm-hmm. um, with COVID going on. Like you said, uh, this is my first day not working from home this week, you know, actually being here. And I'm sure that you have had plenty of days where you're working from home, too, mm-hmm. you know, because of coronavirus, trying to limit people's contact and how many people are face to face and interacting in the office. So, I mean, it all makes sense, but it has made things more difficult for us. Um, appreciate everybody being understanding. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. All right, Lee. Well, I got nothing else. I appreciate you coming in. Oh, no problem. Everybody, uh, stay safe this weekend. Thank you, sir. 